Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. But let me welcome our sister in power here. Every Sunday, you can tune in and get your whole life because she's there to give it and deliver it right here on Urban View. Of course, uh, the the Dr. Robin Show uh, on 126 Sundays at 11 a.m. to noon Eastern. Let me welcome Dr. Robin L. Smith. Hello. Hello there. How are you? It's good to uh, be in the house. Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, Both of you, always. I'm loving you on TikTok. You be out in them streets giving us the raw real. What's happening Listen, here? That's what I'm doing. I'm, I got to, you know, given what's going on in this country and world, I figured I better take it to the streets because it's it's about that time right now. So that's uh, yeah. TikTok is my my friend and people are are loving the, the message. Yeah, no, it is very inspiring. Um, you do it on Sundays as well here, and we're grateful to have you as part of our family. And I'm glad when you come in, because you always seem to come in when something's going on. Like you always, well, it's like, <laughs> it's like, so today R. Kelly was sentenced to 30 years. Some people are upset about it. Some people feel like he should be given a second chance and some redemption, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, eh. I don't. I, I think 30 years is generous. I think, um, you know, he's for 30 years got to um, violate people for 30 years and, and got away with it. And so I'm not, you know, overly sympathetic. Uh, I'm not gleeful. I'm not going to be in the streets like I was when OJ was acquitted, but I'm not like. Ugh. So uh, we still have people online uh, who might want to talk about it as well. But I wanted your thoughts, uh, Dr. Robin. Yeah, you know. Karen, it is, I mean, I was thinking about being with you and Tanya today, and um, it is the R. Kelly uh, decision, and there are two more, you know, he's going to be tried in Chicago, I think, and also in Minnesota. So 30 years, it will be more than that, I imagine. But I'm thinking about R. Kelly, I'm thinking about Roe versus Wade, I'm thinking about what's happening in terms of the January 6th. And I'll go directly to R. Kelly, but I must say that if we are, if we've ever been uh, checked out, that there is something um, eroding the soul of this nation. I hope that uh, we are waking up now. You know, my prescription is wake up, show up, grow up, rise up. But the you can't. Uh, show up and you can't grow up and you certainly cannot rise up if you have not um, done the first step, which is to wake up. And I think as we talk about R. Kelly in 30 years, I also don't rejoice in um, the sentence. And yet, and I don't rejoice in it because he's damaged and damaged people damage people. But just because someone is damaged does not mean that there are not consequences. And all of the many lives that he directly harmed and the thousands or millions of lives he impacted, um, it is essential that we really get out of this denial, um, particularly as black people, you know, that you, Uncle, you know, Ben, no shame or shade on whoever is Ben, I don't mean, but Uncle Ben, everyone knows, molested, harmed people during the holidays. 
And then you were sent down south or up north because it happens all or east and west for the summer to be with Uncle Ben and Aunt Betty. And part of what we're seeing with R. Kelly is that there is a reckoning around, particularly around Black violence to, to women, to Black women and to Black and Brown women that we've not wanted to address. So we talk about wanting to protect and esteem Black women, but when it comes to holding one of our own, yes, he is a Black man. And yes, I imagine he really got harmed. I mean, I wonder, I wonder what happened to him, um, what really happened to him, who injured, harmed, raped, molested. But whatever his story is, that cannot give him permission to do what he did without consequence. Yeah, I was gonna ask you, is that our responsibility? Because yeah. we're all walking around with some manner of trauma. I think everybody sure has some manner of trauma. Is that our, I mean, I feel like we are in a society where people uh, are constantly looking for an out for their own responsibility. Like your, your healing, you have to take into your own hands. One of the problems I have with people calling up, giving him a pass, he has never admitted the harm that he's done. So yeah. Yeah, to me, absolutely. you don't get a free, you don't get a second chance when you have not acknowledged all of the harm that you've done to begin with. I think that's the well, first step. Yeah, it is the first step. And two things, let me say this, even if he had done that, that does not mean that there are not consequences. It just means that how he would bear the consequence would be different because he would understand himself that an apology of throwing yourself on the mercy of the court could not restore all of the lives that he harmed. The other thing is, and I've said this on this show, I've said it on my show, I've said it for years. It's like in the Catholic church where people, um, you know, there's a priest and you can go to confession. And I'm all for however people unload their burdens. What I do not support is that if you unload your burden with the priest and it is not the priest that you molested or you harmed or you beat or you battered, then hopefully the role of that confession is to give you practice and courage to go to the person you did harm and injure and face them. And so I do feel that there is a part of uh, that we want to grandfather people into grace <laughs> and grandfather them into grace without the work. You know, faith without works is dead. So works may not be good enough to earn grace, but you certainly have to do your, your part in restoring damage when you've hurt people. And that's what we, we don't see often, but I see this with parents. I mean, parents are saying my children, I just had a conversation a few days ago with someone in my own family who was kind of ragging on somebody else in my family. And I just was quiet, which I often am. Uh, and I looked at this person and I said, 
help me understand how these children could be different when none of the adults in their lives are giving them an, an example of something else. And so I think we, we are quick to hold people, hold the wrong people accountable. You know, people have blamed women for being gold diggers. And, uh, and I'm not saying that we as women don't have to think about what it is that has caught our eye and what carrot it is that we're gnawing on. There's no question that we as women need to look at that, how we've been socialized to sell ourselves um, to the highest or even a moderate bidder. But that having been said, that does not change that the perpetrator is responsible, is responsible, is responsible, full stop, period. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Robin is here. Uh, Tanya Pinkins is here as well. 866-801-8255. I'm going to take a couple of calls. I also want to ask you a question. Um, somebody mentioned Brian Stevenson, and I didn't know that he was a um, a bachelor uh, like forever. Like he has no yeah. plans on getting married until the caller said this, and then Tanya wants to marry him too. Everybody wants it. Y'all- <laughs> I, I, was, I was sending folks looking for me, you know, set me up. <laughs> The man yeah, don't want to get married. What's the problem? Why do people want things, Dr. Yeah, Robin, that other people don't want? It's it, it's like somehow you're even more attractive when you're like, I don't ever want to do this. And then it's like right. people are like, mm, let me see if I could be the one. But let's talk uh, about that. Let, let, we'll talk about it. Let me go to Rich in Detroit, who's been holding on for a while. He wants to talk about Aura Kelly. Hey, Rich. All right, Rich is not ready. I think Rich is not ready to be on the radio right now because he's having he's conducting business. I hear him in the background. All right, so we're going to put him on hold, Smiz, and let's go to Pamela in Los Angeles. Hey, everyone, thank you so much for taking Hi. my call. So much thank has you. happened, and I just want to add a comment besides the R. Kelly thing. I want to throw out to you guys that there's a wonderful organization in Los Angeles that Derek Hodge made me think about called ICOLA, and it is the inner city, let me see the exact name of it. It's the inner city black youth choir. I mean, orchestra, inner city youth orchestra of Los Angeles. And they are absolutely amazing, amazing, amazing. They are. Karen, I know of Karen them, Pam. They are fantastic. They play, they play at the, my niece learned how to play the violin there. She has made money playing the violin. Uh, so Karen, please look them up. ICOLA is the acronym. And again, it stands for Inner City Youth Orchestra of Los Angeles. Um, okay. Doctor Doctor Robin so, co- co-signed. She's she co-signed. That yeah, she, they're fantastic. That. I know of them, Pam. They're yeah, they're a powerful group of young folks. I love it. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Please sing. I'm sorry. Um, but, wait, Kelly Pamela, thing. go go back. Go back. Repeat. Go ahead. Repeat. Iceola? No, no, no. What you were saying about R. Kelly. Oh, oh, so R. Kelly. Um, the whole thing pains me, but Karen and Dr. Robin, I am so on the same page with you. The first thing I want to say is that plenty of people are harmed and they do not continue to cause harm. Plenty of men have grown up in homes where they've watched people get battered and they don't go on to batter. So some of this, I think, at some level is I get to be a certain age. I'm a grown-up longer than I'm a kid, and I have to do my work. Um, I think 
there's no question that he's guilty. And if he's guilty, a punishment must be meted out. And whether or not 30 years is the right number, I don't know, but he does need to be punished and he does need to live with the consequences of that. Um, children, particularly black girl children, have been throwaway children even in our community. I think it is a dirty secret we don't want to talk about. And if we want to repair our community, we have to protect all of our children. And girls matter, women matter. They matter because they bear boys. They help to train up boys just like men do. And I think that our girls deserve justice. And to continue to sort of brush it under the rug because the person is talented. And, oh, maybe he had a misstep. And, um, yeah, it doesn't matter that, you know, 15, 20 kids have been harmed by them. He's talented. Can't we just overlook this? Can't we just give him a pass? No, because the harm is the harm. The, the, the instrument of destruction doesn't care if you're talented. Yep. I couldn't agree more, Pamela. Thank you. You know, Karen, I just want to say this about um, what Pamela just said. The other piece of this is, yes, girls and women are harmed, but so are Black boys and boys in general who are watching this behavior. And so it is important that our boys also understand that their bodies are not, are, are as sacred as the bodies of, of girls. And we don't teach our black boys to protect their bodies, that their um, bodies are, are important and life-giving and the seed is in them, the womb and the girl and the woman and the seed and the man. And so I just feel like we've turned men in general and black boys and men into these machines and often, you know, sexual machines that cover up and hide a lot of insecurities. So I just want us to recognize that we're not just saving girls, but we need to send a message to our boys that you are more than what R. Kelly um, showed himself to be. Mm. I think that's powerful. Um, thank you. Rich in Detroit, you're holding you back. Hey. Uh, am I on the air? Yes, you are. Thank you so much, Karen, for taking my call. I'm first time caller to your show. Been listening Yay! to you for the last few years. I just love your, your format. You bring a lot of balanced perspective to, you know, the issues and concerns that, you know, affect our society overall these days. And um, I just want to make a few comments. Actually, I'm, I'm sitting on top of the world right now. I'm with my wife celebrating a milestone birthday for her. And I got a few of her girls together and, I, and I'm sponsoring a girls day spa where they're getting facials, massages. And, I knew you were and, handling and, business. And, and I said, Rich is handling stuff. some business today. Yes. Yeah. And I heard somebody calling me say, Rich, are you there? Are you there? So I'm, and I'm telling them I'm about to lose this car. I said, I'm not even supposed to be here, but I got stuck <laughs> with being the hostess. <laughs> so anyway, I'm here and I'm about to leave now, but they're having a good time and that's wonderful. And I just wanted to say that kind of stick my chest out because I love honoring my black women in any way that I can and start with my wife. You know, that's what my mama trained me to do. Now, getting back to the subject at hand, uh, listening to you talking about R. Kelly, and uh, this uh, is it's a true story. Um, we, we were talking about Aaliyah. I am actually the first person, true story, that ever worked with Aaliyah. 
And when she was a little girl, about seven years old, you know, mom brought her to me, and I've worked with her up until the time she met R. Kelly. So the day that they met, I was right there. Hmm. And I remember the very first thing that he said to her was, hey, Leah, do you believe in God? And that's what started their conversation. You know, I worked with her up until that point where she went off with him. Her uncle, who was Barry Hankerson, who was, you know, formerly married to uh, Gladys Knight, he saw um, R. Kelly on Star Search. I think he won first prize on that. And so he flew him in and wanted to, you know, wanted him to produce Aaliyah. So that's how their relationship started. But the thing that I'm saying is, um, yeah, I've had the opportunity to work with R. Kelly. He's, he's asked me about working with him. And me being a musician as well and an artist, I was really appreciating that last uh, guy, the artist that you had on. I was really digging his segment. Uh, I'm one of those artists, too, that, you know, I really love what I do. I'm into it. And I understand how this culture is with entertainment and all and how we all, um, you know, we, we have a lot of um, a lot people are in awe. You know, and so some of us feel like that gives us a certain privilege or position to do things that we shouldn't do. We have to understand that we're human first. So I'm not here to to defend R. Kelly or further convict him, but I do like to shed some perspective and, like, once again, I say balance on how we address um, our black men in our culture. In other words, yeah. Right, Rich, Rich we got here. limited time. We got other callers. What's the balance? Mm-hmm. Give us to get to the balance. The, ba- the balance is if we if we're talking about R. Kelly and like uh, uh, Bill Cosby and but I don't hear anybody talking about like Harvey Weinstein, Woody Allen, uh, these, these other men or these these. No, these is, is that the way? Hold on, wait, hold on. I got this. Hold on, hold on. Um, where are you? So you're mm-hmm. saying. You don't hear us talking about Harvey Weinstein and Woody Allen and Roman Polanski and Elvis and Jerry. Well, you, you do, but what I'm saying is, oh, you definitely do. But what I'm saying, is, and I'm not, I'm not calling to say what you're not doing. But what I'm saying is, as a whole, you know, it's like, okay, I'll, I'll give you a quick instance. I know you got other calls. No, uh, no, no, this, no, no. We need to deal with what's happening here, right? Calling up and saying you're pre- presenting balance. First of all, um, let me just be transparent. I'm go. I'm doubling down on on what happens to us, right? Because I feel like when we're free, the world is free, and until no, until we're not if not the last person still in bondage, whether spiritual or what have you, I'm not gonna rest. So we're gonna double down on the things that are causing us pain. Because right now, this is R. Kelly right here, Bill Cosby right here with us. Um, so I I don't know what your point is as it relates to this show, Roy. Um, but if it's a general, you know, media, what have you, you gonna have to take that to general media. Let's deal with what we're dealing with here on a regular basis. So is that is that your point that media doesn't cover these things equally? Because I think that that's not true either. Well, I'm just making a general. That's what I'm not. Yeah, let's I, not I, do I'm that. Let's let's, let's you know let's let's share. Let's add. You know, I, I require people to bring a brick, meaning like. Is it going to further the conversation? Are we going to learn something? Is it insightful? I'm, I'm grateful that you shared your background, all the stuff you're doing with your wife. That's amazing. Happy birthday to her. But as it relates to this, this conversation, it's too important to come in with generalizations. Now, if you have a story to share that is personal or you saw R. Kelly do something, even that doesn't help us in this moment because he's been convicted and he's been sentenced to 30 years. Where do we go from here? So that should be like I would like, which is why Dr. Robin's here, Tanya's here. Where do we go from here? 
Where do we go from here? And how do we heal the people who are still here? And I haven't heard one commentary about the women that he abused and what should happen next with them and what we owe them as a society. Because a lot of y'all cape for R. Kelly when you knew that he peed on that little girl, when you knew that he was out there doing those things to young girls. Yeah, I said it. You knew that. And you still played his music and you were defiant in it. You were mad at Dream Hampton for surviving R. Kelly. You're responsible to at least give some refuge to the women, the girls that he hurt. Like, what? where's that capacity? There's a lot of like, oh, he shouldn't get this time. But what about those girls? They don't get their innocence back. They don't get any of their childhood back. And, and if they weren't innocent, those of you, they were out there, their parents pimped them or whatever. Yeah. I'm so tired. Well, I think what you're saying is don't blame the victim. Uh, And it's important. Yeah, I mean, it's important, Karen. I mean, I think what you and Tanya and I do here in these moments is to not only look at somebody else, but look in the mirror and say, what is it that we can do to bring healing and restoration Um, particularly to Black people and particularly to Black women who have been um, blamed, actually, for almost everything. And so I think it is important that we not participate in that. And I think that's what you're saying. Yes. Thank you for saying that really simply. Um, I should use less words. 866-801-8255. Brian Stevenson, it is, there's a line here. I shouldn't even go to Wikipedia. I want to hear it out of his mouth at some point, but y'all seem to know. Did you, Tanya must have known that he was a lifelong bachelor. Did you, you, well, you knew that? Well, the first time I heard his TED talk, I just fell in love. I was like, I would just go dedicate myself to serving this man so he can keep doing what he's doing because he's so powerful and brilliant. And of course I did reach out to various people who knew him to give me the 411. Did you? Okay, that's very, yes. that's very bold. And every time I had the opportunity to be in a room with him, I was working somewhere else and could never even meet him just to, to you know, bow to him for his work. Well, he's a good people, soul. Yeah, oh, he's there from, they're near me. I mean, they were. So his brother, and I think I've mentioned um, his brother, Dr. Howard Stevenson, who's at Penn and one of my best friends. And so I've known them. Um, they have a sister as well. And Uh, how they live in the world. I mean, these two Black men, Brian and Howard, um, Dr. Howard Stevenson and Brian Stevenson are spectacular, real people. Mm. Yeah, they're real people. And they're real scholars and they're soulful and they're funny. Um, And Brian is, you know, living his life as he sees fit, as is Howard. Yeah, I, I love that. But so a caller called up wanted to marry him. So then I Google search and I bring this up because he stated that his career is incompatible with married life. And I absolutely love that. Um, and I'm going to say, you know, of course, I feel the same way. But I I like that, you know, he's not just unapologetic. It's like, why do why do people want to somehow if you're like you're brilliant or you're attractive? or Oh, you should be married to this. You know, it's like I I, I hate that. I, I think get... that that's the same with the choice thing. Marriage is what your purpose is. You're supposed to get married and make be fruitful and inhabit the earth. So I think that they're they're the same strain. 
Meaning the same strain that the, the conviction that this is God's will. And if you don't do it, you are somehow, you know, going against God's will. Yeah. Well, I think going against God's will and also it makes people uncomfortable when someone lives their truth that is quite different than the script is what you're saying, Tanya. And so people want people to be predictable so that we don't have to look at ourselves and say, hmm, wonder if I should have gotten married or, or wonder if being single was more my divine flow than being married or having children or not having children. I mean, there are so many fears, which is what's happening in this country that we're terrified of diversity, not just black and white, but we are terrified of people who see the world differently than we do because it makes us ask. We either demonize the person or and or we get very insecure about maybe, maybe what I thought had to be for me, maybe it didn't have to be. And so in order to not have a of to have regrets, you then have to say that that person is wrong. I, I smiled when I read that, he, that he said it's incompatible with married life is incompatible with his, his mission and his career. And I was like, that's so dope, you know, to know that, to know that, to not be forced into a situation because of what it looks like, but to commit yourself to the thing that makes, brings you joy. And why shouldn't it, and why should anyone have an opinion about it? And why should anyone, you know, and I think, you know, beyond what Tanya is saying in terms of like, you know, it being the way things should be, I think to Dr. Robin's point, the fears that we have in ourselves about the things we haven't done or afraid to do, we put them on our children and we put them on everyone around them because as long as everyone's doing the things that I'm doing, then I'd never have to change. I never have to question my own existence or what I'm doing. And the older we get in that, the more resistant we are to seeing anything differently. Right. And that's why I even love talking to, to our brother, Derek, because he said, he said his his curiosity led him into this instrument that was bigger than he was. And, And his curiosity allowed him to do something he never did before to see if he could, you know, and what a beautiful life to live that way to, to just see. Why not? And and what and what courage it takes to let life unfold for itself instead of forcing life to be what you were told it should be. You know, I'm about to say something that, you know, I don't want people writing you and I don't particularly want them to write me about it, but I'm going to say it anyhow, that if you look at the black church, the church in general, but I'm gonna talk again about the black church that I'm a part of that, and this, I don't like stereotypes, but I'm gonna make one. If you look at pastors who have gotten married, often pastors have felt forced to get married to live out their calling because a lot of churches don't want a single pastor Because then you've got to deal with dating. You have to deal with sex outside of marriage. You have to deal with humanity. Like you got a pastor who's human and a pastor who has urges, he or she, and a pastor who, you know, who is living maybe just like his or her parishioners. So often 
pastors, many of whom I know, have felt forced to get married so they can pastor a church. And then once they become pastors, where they were forced to, let's call it, stretch the truth or lie, they then get in the pulpit and turn around and make their parishioners start telling lies about their lives. So nobody is in that congregation free to be who they really are, single, LGBTQ, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I I just want to remind us how much fear can push us in a corner and make us live anything but the truth. And at the same token, people will accept you not getting married if you want to be a nun or a priest there because you're dedicating your life to God. And so many of my homosexual friends said that they became priests because that was the place where you knew it was acceptable to be homosexual. What? Yes. All right. Yes. I, I was going to say something, but I don't want it attached to what Tanya just said. And then we're going to go to a break. <laughs> I, I want to separate. I want to give it some breath. Nothing to do with what Tanya said. But was Jesus married? All right. 866-801-8255. I'm asking questions. Y'all give me the answers. The number here is 866 He killed him before he could get married. He was in his 30s, Tanya. Sorry. Sorry. That was that, that made him very old in the uh, Jewish uh, tradition 2,000 plus years ago. Stop it. 866. I'm not saying anything connected to what you just said. I'm saying <laughs> that Jesus had a mission and marriage was inconsistent with what he had to do. While he was I'm just saying Jesus was not married, but y'all that, that when you just said that Dr. Robin, but y'all require your pastors to be married because it just don't look right. But the man that you worship on that cross, that frail blind blue eyed person that you call Jesus never married. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder, I just asked the question. Those of you who believe it, no blasphemy it's, it's written. Yep, Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, Samuel Alito, Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, when brought before uh, the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee, all said that Roe v. Wade was stated law and they had no intention of ruling to overthrow it. Overthrow it like it is a government. They all lied. They straight up lied. I don't know what we do about it because this Congress could impeach all of them for lying under oath could bring charges and impeach them but this senate would not convict so it would just be like this hearing january 6th hearing a lot of pomp and circumstance but until somebody indicts and arrests and convicts we are here with no accountability i feel very strongly about this we knew they were lying we knew they were lying. No one had the courage to actually challenge and not not sit them the way they did Robert Bork. Do you know what I'm saying? They there, there's a this man. I don't know. Dr. Robert Smith is here. Tanya Pinkers is here. I don't know if this thing is gonna last. Maybe it shouldn't, Dr. Robert. I've been saying this for quite some time. I think this experiment called America is finito. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah, you know. When you say going to last, I think, and Dr. King said, you know, that no lie can live forever. Mm. And I feel, I mean, that's been, um, I've been writing about that, actually, um, because 
the foundation on which so much, uh, that what is falling apart is falling apart because it was built on lies and no lie can live forever. And so I feel whether it is, you know, the Congress and the lack of courage, the lack of uh, really of humanity for people, I don't know what's going to happen either. Um, I, you know, I really don't know because we are hell bent. We're hell bent on holding on to the lie and calling it something other than what it is. And so you can't fix, you know, I say you can't fix what you can't face and you can't face what you can't feel. And so we have anesthetized ourselves. When I say we, let me be clear what I mean by that. This nation has anesthetized itself to the harm that it has caused and done and perpetrated to um, particularly indigenous people. And it is continuing the lie. So, you know, when they talk about the big lie, I'm like, the big lie is not the election. And every time I hear that about the big lie, I'm like, that's not the big lie. That's maybe the most recent big lie. <laughs> but that's not the big lie. The big lie has to do with how this country was constructed. And unless we are willing to address that lie, it is quite likely that what we are seeing, people fighting to maintain the lie as the country gets browner and browner, um, so if we should understand, even with Roe v. Wade, what the fight is about, the fight is not about abortion. I mean, it really isn't. It's not. It has to do with power and control, not about whether or not women uh, and it is impacting, of course, women. But that's not what that's not what the taking this um, the Roe v. Wade back that it's not about women's rights. It's about the commitment for the lie about how the country was built to be maintained. Facts. That's the big lie. That, spot on. I mean, we, we've been talking about this uh, since Friday, uh, that abortion is the red herring. But yes. This, and this is just the beginning because we're seeing there are two more cases today. I can't keep up. So follow Ellie Mastal. You follow, you know, um, who, who else is uh, doing this? Laree, Daniel Favors, you can follow her. Also, Alan Orr, uh, I think there was an immigration ruling that came out today. Yeah, they are chipping, 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 chipping away. I think prayer in school, prayer mm -hmm. now. Um, and I'm for it. I I think uh, I, like, I like people to take a moment to meditate before class or whatever. But yeah, it's a slippery slope because you know damn well if somebody put a prayer cloth out and dropped and started praying to Allah at half court, there would be a problem. Absolutely. But the Supreme Court ruled it's okay to pray. Now it's okay to pray. Um, tomorrow, D Judge Katanji Brown, Katanji Brown Jackson will be sworn in because Stephen Breyer will officially retire from the Supreme Court. It will not affect anyone, will not affect the court's decision. It will still be, in most cases, six to three. Uh, and so Stephen Breyer is one of the three that is trying to hold up, you know, hold up, uh, you know, some semblance of, of sanity. Uh, but he will be retiring and all of the hell that uh, Judge Brown Jackson went through will 
uh, now be wiped away when she puts her hand on the Bible and is sworn in tomorrow as the 116th member of the court. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, again, it doesn't change anything because she's hopefully will. Uh, but maybe maybe Sonia uh, Sotomayor will have somebody to fight with her. Uh, you know, yes. these folk are not going to move, though. They're not. No, they're not going to move, but I'll tell you something. Justice Sotomayor and uh, soon-to-be Justice Katandri Brown-Jackson, those are not two women to underestimate. Um, And they may not be able to, they can't outvote, but they might inspire some of those who are sitting at home unregistered um, to vote not taking their power seriously, those two women alone might set some of us on fire in a very different way. I hope you're right. Um, I think about inspiration and I, um, all right, let me keep my pessimism because I I was never pessimistic before the last few years. I've just gotten increasingly more pessimistic in in, uh, people's ability to, course correct and and delve into the things that they need to you know I, I just I don't I don't know if they could be touched or reached I just I'm not I'm not very optimistic but Karen think about all the people who you reach who I mean millions of people every day you're reaching and there are people I don't know this but I know it who were on the outside of the system. They didn't realize that they had a brick to contribute to building until you told them. Like, don't come here with just a complaint. You didn't tell them they can't have a complaint. You just said, bring your brick with your complaint so you can do something about what's broken. And so the same way that you are in the homes and cars and lives of millions of people every day, making a difference and there are people I am sure who are voting right now because of you, who were unregistered to vote and are voting now because of you. So I'm, I, I don't want to underestimate what, what a woman who is clear about who she is like you or the justices or Tanya or me, I don't ever want to estimate what is possible when we are set loose um, and free. I want to add, I don't think that recognizing cycles of life is pessimism. You know, there's just cycles of history and, you know, there was the British world order. Now the U S world order came after that because of our geography, we are just coming to the end of the U S world order. That's just a fact. Hmm. The U.S. is not going to reign the world. Wealth is moving to the other side of the planet. We don't have a, you know, a, a one hump system anymore. It's going to be a different world order. Uh, and and it's going to look different everywhere. You know, we were celebrating Colombia's uh, election of a of an African centered uh, vice president, uh, and then we have the Philippines where uh, it looks like a news organization has been shut down by order of the government. Uh, This is according to Maria Ressa. She said this yesterday, uh, Nobel Peace Prize laureate and journalist, uh, that the Philippine government has ordered her news organization to shut down. Uh, She exposed the uh, new president, Rodrigo Duarte, 
Duterte's uh, bloody war on drugs, and she documented it through her news outlet, um, and uh, they didn't like it. They didn't like it, <laughs> and uh, she's a Filipino-American, and she's been addressing all of the corruption of the Philippine um, regime, and it's, her outlet is called The Rappler, Rappler, and uh, she said she's going to fight. She's not going to shut down no matter what. Uh, she said, we're not shutting down. I'm not supposed to say that, but we're entitled to an appeal. Uh, this decision, we're going to appeal this decision and we'll do so, especially since the proceedings were highly irregular. But, you know, when you live in a, a world where they make up the laws as they go along, which feels like America right now. Bless her for her, you know, because Duarte, he was the one that said, go shoot the women, you know, between their legs. So she's taken her life in her hands to, to take up this fight, which is mm -hmm. a very important fight. But to, but to Dr. Robin's point, you know, when things are right or wrong and you don't stand up for them, then you stand for nothing. And, you know, there's not, you know, it's not like she's putting her life on the line. This is her work. This is what she it's does. Right. You know, the but she's not think. I don't think anybody's like thinking like, like when you said that, Dr. Robin, I'm not thinking somebody listening is going to go out and vote. I'm just going to talk about the things that need to be, need, you know, right or wrong, whether you agree with me or not. This is what is happening right now. And this is what's important. This is what's at stake. I'm not thinking, oh, somebody's going to register to vote as a result of this conversation that we're having or any conversation that we're having. And I'm, it's not even a hope. I just want the truth to be out. And, and juxtaposed to all of the nonsense and noise and lies, somebody's got to be due north. So I've, I've appointed myself. And <laughs> going to be due north. Yes, would you keep the job if other journalists like you were getting shot every day, which is what yes. the woman in the Philippines yes. was facing. Yes. Okay. Yes. So she's absolutely her life in her hand. It's selfless service. She but, is saying this has cost me my life and it's worth it. I don't it. think she's saying that though. I don't think she says that any more so than anybody who does anything is getting up saying I could die today for what I'm doing. You just do what you do. Whether you're talking about Stacey Abrams registering to vote, she could get shot for doing that. Absolutely. Sure. But, but Karen, but Stacey knows that you know that I'm not saying you think about it. You do know that your voice puts you at risk. Stop! You Stop! Don't say it! La 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 la! I can't! I can't yeah. hear you, Doctor Robin. I can't. Well, okay. You are listening. La 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 la. We can sing some la la's together. But what I'm saying is, and what Tanya is saying, is there is something about a prophet. The prophet may not be focusing, Karen, to your point on the liabilities of being a prophet. But a prophet is aware when they are speaking truth amongst a whole bunch of lies that there is risk to them. Brian Stevenson, talking about Brian, Brian also has taken his, he knows there have been death threats. And if you see his movie, Just Mercy, but read his books. Of course. So does he wake up every day saying, oh, today might be did it? No, he doesn't. But he does know somewhere in his bones that as a prophet of truth, that there is evil gunning for him at all times. At all times. And to put a, a wife and children in that line of fire because of what you've chosen to do, that could have gone into his equation of like, I'm committed to this. And I don't want to divide my energy between having to take care of my family's safety and having to take care of a safety format for the people of the world. Well, um, all right. We're uh, thank you 
for that. All both of you appreciate it. Uh, I had so many stories like South Korea just approved the first homemade COVID-19 vaccine. I don't know what that's about. Maybe I have to pick this back up tomorrow. Uh, Instagram is restricting some abortion resource po- resources. Uh, people posting and, and hashtagging Instagram is uh, saying that, no, we're not going to allow that. I don't know why. Um, CBS, Rite Aid uh, are limiting the purchases of the morning after pills. Not sure. What you know, like what side are you on? How how can you do this? Oh, because there's a run on there. A lot of people are buying, stacking up. Uh, now they're uh, you know saying you can only get a couple at a time. Uh, and uh, the U.S. maternal mortality rate increased 33 percent during the pandemic. Women, black women, Hispanic women, particularly hit hard, are dying in childbirth. But yet we want more, more of this. Uh, so there's a lot happening in the world, and unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time. We got a minute left, uh, so I want to use that time to say thank you and honor the two ladies that sat here today. And I will in- not just encourage, implore you to listen to Dr. Robin, because not only does she have a lot to say, but she says it in a way that I think uh, evokes change in people who are listening. So I want to thank you for being a part of the Urban View family. 11 a.m. Eastern on Sunday, Channel 126. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.